and a welcome on in. It is overtime with Jonathan Beadle here on this Wednesday. Hope you guys are all feeling good today. I'd like to keep you guys floated and in on what is going to happen over the next couple days. Tomorrow we have Thursday Night Football. Friday, I will not be in. I'm not going to be in Friday. Spencer will be in. You're like, Jonathan, it's football season. You would not miss a day at work during football season. I know you. Something serious might be happening. No, something serious is not happening. We'll just be hanging out with Ken in the morning instead. I just did a, we just did like a, a Friday morning pre-show meeting with Ken 30 seconds prior. We discussed an absolute ton about what we're going to talk about on Friday. We're getting everything set up already. I know it's only Wednesday, but we're getting things set up. But more importantly, I'm making my my YouTube TV 92.3 The Fan debut on Friday. I don't know what clips they're going to put out in the world. I have zero idea, but I am fascinated to find out whether or not I become obsessed with this little, little TV camera that's right in front of me that is documenting my every move. It's on right now, so I'm going to do a lot of warm-up practices throughout the show. Here's the thing, though. They don't put any of my clips out yet. We're working on that. It's going to be a, it'll be a process, right? They're only putting out morning show stuff at the moment. I'm sure they're working on doing everything else, but Rome wasn't built in a day. you got to crawl to walk to run. we got to make sure that we get the morning show down first, right? But on Friday, that means I'm on it. So I have yet to decide if I'm going to go. There's obviously three routes I can go. I can go the route where I dress the way that I normally dress, which looks like I'm about to go play 18 at Shinnecock, and I'm about to you know, play in the U.S. Open. I don't know why. It's how I dress. I dress like I'm constantly golfing. Like You know how some people go to the baseball games, and they're like, oh, I'll bring my glove, and just in case the center fielder gets sick and they ask me to go out there and play. Obviously, that's never once happened, but you have that in the back of your brain. You're like, I don't know. Maybe today's the day. I do that with golf. I'm like, I never know when uh, someone's going to call me up and be like, hey, you got got quick two hours to go play nine, and then boom, I'm gone. I got thief in the night. I'm just, boom. So I could dress like that. I could dress like I'm about to go to a wedding. I could wear like a fancy tux. I could wear a fancy suit. I could wear a fancy something get up. And then make it seem way over the top. The juxtaposition of me dressing really, really nice at like 6.15 in the morning. And then Ken dressing just like, you know, how he just normally dresses, which is nice. But it's not tuxedo nice. Would be high comedy to me. And then the third route is the route we've talked about before. The idea that I would dress like it's Halloween. I would, I would come in some sort of get up, some sort of costume, some sort of ridiculous thing. So I would make very serious sports takes while also then having some sort of costume on. I haven't decided yet. Do I want to make my debut on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, you know, dressed up like, I don't know, you tell me, like a, like a devil horns or something like that, and then, and then Ken just in whatever garb he's wearing? I don't know if I have it in me to do it, but I'm going to think about it for the next 24 hours, more so than any Browns takes I have. I'm curious. I'm curious myself to find out how I dress. So anyway, that's where my head is at today. Hope you guys have all enjoyed your Wednesday. Hope you guys have all had a little bit of a well, no, nice, relaxing day. It's all it really comes down to. I just hope, just hope you guys have a nice day. I have not worn off my Browns optimism from the previous 24 hours. In fact, it's only made me want to go harder in the paint. The more and more people that I've heard clap back on my idea yesterday that I can't find the auto loss, and I don't know why. I'm not saying they're Super Bowl favorites. It's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying they're Super Bowl contenders. And if I can't find the auto loss on the schedule, I don't know why we're even having the conversation. 
it's a perfectly reasonable take by me to have those expectations. When I've been saying they're an 11-win team for four months, then they come out there and they put Joe Burrow in a body bag, send him straight to the morgue, I get to live with some high expectations. Yes, I do. You can't tell me that preseason football doesn't matter, and then we get to the regular season, and you want to tell me that the week one doesn't matter. Uh, How long am I supposed to wait before we get to go ahead and crown them something? How long am I supposed to wait? There's only 17 games. We don't play 75 games. We play 17 games. I get to call it pretty early. When when the talent on the paper matches up with what I see on the field, uh, what am I waiting around for? What am I waiting around for? And when I look at the schedule, and I think they just beat the hardest team we have on the schedule, I got no reason but to shine optimism everywhere. I got to come up with a, with a nickname for me when I go full homerism is what I need to do. You can tweet at me. Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends at Shop and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. I don't know, like Johnny homerism or something like that. I, how do we do this? I hope Ken's ready. I hope Ken's ready for Friday morning. I am going to one-up Ken when it comes to Brown's optimism, and I'm going to do it all morning long is the idea. I, I, I don't know how it's going to go down from a, uh, from a topic selection from a what we're interested in talking about selection day. But I do know one thing. I'm not swerving off of this take. There's nobody that's getting me off this one. But I was thinking about something that we were talking a little bit about yesterday, and we didn't get to explore a little, you know, as much as I would have liked. You know, and, and we're going to turn the page on the Steelers about halfway through the show, and then we won't look back, right? And we'll get ready for Monday Night Football. But I, I did find it a little interesting that – When it comes to the credit given out to Kevin Stefanski, I'm hearing crickets. I'm not hearing a bunch of phone calls with people wanting to wax poetic about the job that Kevin Stefanski did. I thought Kevin Stefanski going into this season was the second most interesting plot line to this year of Browns football. And I could argue that we spent as much time on Stefanski this offseason than we did Deshaun Watson. Because some Browns fans thought they already know what Stefanski is, while Watson is a living, breathing question mark. But I did find it interesting. We were all so conveniently wrapped up in handing out compliments to Schwartz and Nick Chubb and different parts of the defense and all everyone else, right? Yet we all have conveniently, or not so conveniently, left Stefanski off of the compliment list. Hopkins, the defense, you name it. I, the ball boy got showed love, okay? People doing the camera work after the game were given all sorts of flowers by everyone. Yet Stefanski was left in wait-and-see mode. We're going to move on to the Steelers. Let's circle the car back. Let's go back around to the beatdown that was displayed. A lot of coaching, in my estimation, is like umpiring in a baseball game. The best games are the ones where nobody's talking about you afterwards. The people that get drunk and play Madden at 2 in the morning that feel like they know when to run or pass, when those guys are quiet as a church mouse, you did something right. And maybe that's the win that Stefanski needs to hang on to. But I want to see what exactly he did and why exactly we aren't so quick to be like, hey, Kevin, great game. Hey, Kevin, you did your job. Hey, Kevin, you did exactly what you were supposed to do week one. Stefanski entered this season knowing this could be his last and entered this year knowing that he couldn't let losses pile up like Jenga tiles. He knew unequivocally if he was going to keep his job the first five weeks of the season, 
really the first four weeks, then the bye week, and then what actually is week six. But our fifth game was going to be a big deciding factor in all of it. How I told you guys before the year, what was my big line? All, all for the past four or five months, what was my big line? Stefanski could be the coach for the next 10 games or the next 10 years, and I really did believe that. I sided on the idea that he would get Watson right, the defense would be right, and Stefanski would be the guy in charge for the next decade instead of the next 10 games. But there's a not-too-distant alternate universe where Stefanski fumbles out of the gate, Jimmy Haslam gets impatient the way that he has in the past, and Stefanski is updating his LinkedIn resume awfully quick into this whole thing. That's not a crazy world that we live in where that was not reality. Now, he got the most important game, in my estimation, knocked off right away because we don't play the Chiefs, who have been to five straight AFC title games and three Super Bowls in the previous five years. We played the Bengals, who have been to one Super Bowl in the previous two years and back-to-back AFC title games. They're also the third winningest team in the NFL in that stretch and the second most AFC winningest team. So when I'm talking about this Browns optimism, it's coming from a place of, I think we knocked off the very best team that we had to knock off. But I'm circling around, and I'm looking around, guys, and I want to hear from you, 216-474-0092. And I think people are bending over backwards to do anything but give Kevin Stefanski the credit that I think he deserves. I'm not saying he did everything in one game. I'm not saying all of a sudden Kevin Stefanski's off whatever proverbial hot seat you wanted to put him on, although I would definitely say after that game, whatever hot seat you had him on has definitely cooled down. For sure it has. I'm the guy before the season said, if this thing goes sideways, uh, why are we even bothering giving him the whole entire year? If it goes sideways, you win that game against the Bengals. First off, I don't think there's a chance it goes sideways, but you win that game against the Bengals. Listen, I got to see what he can do. I got to see if he can fix some of the wrongs that we've been plagued with over the previous couple years because in game one, he showed me how he fixed a lot of them already. Jim Schwartz and the hiring of Jim Schwartz has to be given as the starting point for credit for Kevin Stefanski. Does it not? How do we look at what happened with Jim Schwartz this weekend and not think, oh, yeah, Kevin Stefanski was behind that? Now, I always thought he had the right idea when it came to what he wanted out of a defensive coordinator. Because Stavansky himself wants to be a glorified offensive coordinator. He needs somebody that can take over the defense, and then he can just forget about the defense, and he goes, coaches the offense, and the, the defense gets everything squared away, and he doesn't have to think twice about it. Ideally, that's what he'd want. Now, ideally, if you have two kids, it'd be nice if your wife was like, hey, uh, our first kid, don't even worry about. I got it at all times. You take care of the second kid. Ideal world is not what we live in, though, right? Like it's Life doesn't work that way. And when it comes to Kevin Stefanski, he thought he could just say, ah, take care of the defense, Joe Woods. You'll have this whole thing figured out. Because that's what he wants to do. Jim Schwartz has been in charge of offenses that have been at the top of the game. He's also been a head coach. And he was not a bad head, uh, head coach in Detroit. He really wasn't. If you go back and look it up, he wasn't the greatest head coach. But he's been in charge of a team. This is not like when the Browns gave Freddie Kitchens the job when he hadn't managed as many people that you need to manage when you own a 7-Eleven, okay? He's been in charge of a lot of people, and he's done it at a very high level for a very long time. I got to give him credit for Schwartz. I got to give him credit for people for putting people in the right roles in order to have them succeed and really building out that perfect cocoon of a situation that he always wanted for himself. This was the dream for Stefanski. 
Focus on out-scheming the hell out of other people, which, oh, by the way, uh, all he did was tell Lou Anarumo, the guy who's been credited with solving Patrick Mahomes, yeah, I got you. I got you beat. And he did that. Put him in a mental pretzel for four quarters. Had guys all over the field that Anarumo couldn't stop. Only thing stopping them was the rain and Deshaun Watson's light passes that could have gone further if it wasn't raining. So I got to ask you guys, this is where we're starting out. 216-474-0092. I let this one simmer for a couple days. I'm ready to have this conversation. It's been long enough. It's been 72 hours, and I have not heard enough in the way of Kevin Stefanski. Is Stefanski not getting enough credit for the week one win? And can you clean the slate with Stefanski? For the people that don't like him as a head coach, can you admit that what he's doing right now for one week looks really good, and if he continues down that path, you'll crack open the door of the possibility that maybe Kevin Stefanski is the guy for the long term. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on The Fan. But first, Shop Classic Chevrolet's high-quality inventory and special incentives like this great offer. Lease a 2024 Chevy Equinox LS for $299 per month for 36 months. It is Jonathan Peterson here for Jeremy Hamilton and the entire wonderful team at Classic Chevrolet in Menor. Shop in person at the Classic Flagship Dealership, Route 615 in Menor. You don't want to go in, that's okay, that's fine. You don't have to. They're not making you. View their entire inventory of new and certified pro, uh, pre-owned Chevys online. DriveClassicChevy.com is the place you go. DriveClassicChevy.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. All righty, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Pitowin. I remember it's a little bit different today. On Wednesdays, we don't have the fan focus at 9. That's going to be at 10 o'clock. We're going to have Daryl Ryder, our Browns insider, at 9, okay? So Daryl's coming your way at 9 o'clock. But right now, I want to talk with you guys at 216-474-0092. Just wondering if Stefanski's not getting enough credit for the Week 1 win. And if you were a Stefanski detractor, I'm not saying you need to send him an edible arrangement and apologize for the doubt. Not yet, at least. That day will come in my mind. But we still have to see Watson dial it up on a consistent basis and have the offense win us a game where the defense gets to take a siesta, right? But the few gripes I had with the man, he seemed like he got it all figured out. And one of the big problems I had is he put so much in charge with Joe Woods, and Joe Woods didn't know what the hell he was doing. It's amazing to me sometimes the responsibility some of these coaches will give to guys that don't know uh, what they're doing at all. I, I think Mike Tomlin has fallen victim to this right now in Pittsburgh. You know, Matt Canada, you know what happened with Matt Canada? His last year in the college ranks, his team went 5-7 and seven and wasn't bowl eligible. He got fired and then got promoted to the NFL. Talk about failing upwards. He gets promoted to the NFL for his first big opportunity, and then a year later, Mike Tomlin makes him an offensive coordinator, and it's a dumpster fire. I did. You got to get both sides of it right. But I feel like sometimes these coaches, the ones that have their specialties, and Tom Wynn's specialty is defense, right, initially, and these guys that have their specialties, they hang on to it. Belichick is victim of this as well. Belichick hangs on to the defensive side of the ball. I heard a, a prominent sports talk radio host yesterday say that Belichick didn't know the first thing about offensive football. Now, obviously, that's, that felt a little hyperbolic, but Belichick ignores that side of the ball. He focuses on his side, the side he knows best, and it's just it's to a complete detriment to himself. you got to focus on all sides, but Stefanski, he operates the same way Belichick does, the same way Tomlin does. He focuses on the offensive side. They're defensive. He focuses on the, on the offensive side, 
And if you're going to do that, that's fine. But you got to really have a rock-solid defensive coordinator. Joe Woods was not that. I, I Honestly, one of the big problems I had with Stefanski was something that was almost out of Stefanski's control for a lot of last year, and that is Joe Woods. But if I'm going to rip him for having Joe Woods in that defense, I got to give him his credit when he gets it right with Jim Schwartz. Do I not? I got to give him his credit. That was one of the best Kevin Stefanski games we've seen. That was a flashback to the when he was coach of the year, and it felt like everything was going right. And Schwartz is a pit bull on the sidelines too, by the way. An absolute pit bull. I love to see it. You know, uh, Stefanski at times has the energy of a dead guy. Very blasé. So you, you might get lost in certain parts of Berea. Uh, just, you know, excused for the wallpaper. It's very blah as a human when it comes to showing his emotions. Schwartz is the anti that. It's like a yin and a yang thing going on there. I love it. 216474 to below 92. Is Stefanski not getting enough credit for the week one win? Leading off tonight, batting first, our buddy, Dr. Bob. Hello, Dr. Bob. Hey, Jonathan. What's what's going on, sir? How you doing, man? Did you enjoy the week one win? I'm all right. Oh, of course I love this week one win. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to answer this question. No, Stefanski's not getting enough credit. And this is why. He didn't do Stefanski things that he did last year. Now, maybe it's because he didn't trust Joe Woods and the defense that he was running. And maybe he didn't trust the defense that was that we had last year to stop the other team. But instead of not taking points when you obviously needed to take points, he sent Dustin Hopkins out there and and he hit three field goals. Now maybe that's Cade York. Maybe some of that was you know he didn't trust his kicker. Maybe he trusts Hopkins a lot more than he did uh, York, which obviously they do because they got rid of Cade York and traded for Hopkins. But I don't think he's getting enough credit. You know he he realized the conditions weren't what they were going to be. We all probably expected Stefanski was going to throw over 30 times. Watson was, what, 16 of 29? Mm-hmm. So they didn't even throw more than 30 times in that game. Uh, he realized Good that point. he needed to run the ball. Nick Chubb had over 100 yards. Jerome Ford, who didn't play at all in the preseason, you know, I think he had probably over 40, maybe 50 yards. When after the fumble, he didn't he, shy away from him either, Dr. Bob. No, he didn't. <laughs> He, he stuck with him. He, he had his faith in him, and he said, you know, this is the way we're going to win, win today. And he left everything up on the defensive side of Jim Schwartz, which, you know, he was a head coach, and he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And the Browns defense showed up, shut down Burrow. So I think Stefanski should get more credit than he's gotten because everything they did on Sunday was the right decision. I'll let you go. Go Browns, hopefully on Monday night. We see more of the same. I bet we will. Thank you, Dr. Bob. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, you know, it's interesting with Jerome Ford. It's something that has kind of gone to the wayside. Jerome Ford actually got 15 carries in that game. Nick Chubb got 18. Jerome Ford got 15. After the fumble, they kept going back to him. I'm not saying that's the right move long term, if I'm being honest. I found that fascinating, though. We've talked about the Nick Chubb pitch count before. We've talked about whether or not he is or isn't on one. He's averaging six yards a carry in that game, 5.9 yards total. It's insane what he was doing. 216474 to below 92. We're just getting that discussion a little bit with Daryl coming up at 9 o'clock. Can you, can you clean the slate with Stefanski? If you were a Stefanski detractor, can you clean the slate? Can you give him a fresh start? Because it looks, I'm seeing a difference, Stefanski. And listen, I've always rooted for Stefanski. I know he's not an idiot. Now, I, in Pittsburgh with Matt Canada, I can't, I can't tell you with certain that man's not an idiot. What I tell you yesterday with Chicago, 
with Justin Fields after watching what Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus did where they have Justin Fields and they took the best parts of his game and then decided they were going to strip him of that? He's Lamar Jackson Jr. And they're like, one one design play run the entire game. And then when it came to throwing the ball deep, they just flat out didn't do it. I'm like, those guys just might be idiots. Legitimately, they might be stupid. I'm not sure. I know Stefanski isn't an idiot. I know that with certainty. He had to get the right pieces around him. He had to get the right coaches around him. I think he's well on his way. 216-474-0092. Robbie up next on the fan. Hello, Robbie. Hey, what's up? Uh, so I called in, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday, you'd ask the question on whether or not it was going to be the offense or the defense that had a spectacular win that kind of changed our minds. And I had brought up the point of Stefanski playing a gentleman's game, and that was what my concern was. So I need you to stay with me on this because, Jonathan, I respect you out of all the the guys on the fan as far as your analysis goes, is you look at that defensive play. That is the only inspired team play that I saw in that entire game. And you look at the point that you just made is Ford got 15 carries, Chubb got 18. Why did Chubb's carries work? was because he shifted. He found an alternate hole. The design play didn't work. So before we start giving Stefanski all this credit is we've already said that Stefanski is not a defensive guy. So all that credit goes to Schwartz and him having that side of the ball playing like a team. And on the offensive side, nothing worked. Yeah, but you didn't see a lot of, and we talk about scheming here, Rob, you didn't see a lot of the wide-open receivers down the field? I, I saw a lot of wide-open wide receivers down the field. Oh, no, no, I sure did. I, I, I sure did, and those, and those right. plays didn't work, and I think that that's where you can play conditions. Where you can't play conditions is when Chubb is running outside of the tackles and then has to shift and boot it around, and that's how he got all those six yards. I, now, I think Ford I think Nick Chubb run. spoils you in a lot of ways, though, Robbie. You know, he's just so good, sure. he spoils no, you. You're 100% right, and you're 100% right, and that's what makes him elite. That's what makes him so good. What Ford did was Ford went out there and ran the exact design play, and they didn't work for the majority of the times. Like you said, 15 of 18. And that's yeah, his, his, numbers, his numbers were not good, Robbie, at the end of the day. he 2.4 no, yards per carry would put him way, way dead last in the NFL for now, sure. My question is, when you're saying 15 of 18, does that count? Chubb's uh, uh, pass catches because I know no it doesn't that's that's different he had four receptions for 21 total yards so again that's that's my point being is that 22 total touches I want Stefanski and what I don't think I was clear about last time that I called in Mm -hmm. is I want Stefanski's education I want his intelligence on on this team and I think that he's a great coach I think what happens sometimes is that he just gets stuck into this I don't know, this mentality of like driving the same point home over and over again that he loses focus of, of the bigger picture. And in this game, from what I saw, it wasn't the offense that won this game. It was emphatically like over the top, the defense that won it. And Chubb bailed us out. We still scored now, 24 that- on the board though, Robbie. And it's not like we had like a, a bunch of defensive pick sixes or anything. No, sure, sure, but how we gotta do give the offense some points? credit. We, we got to give him some credit, though. Even like, and and there are certain moments, Robbie. And I'll I'll buy into what you're saying. That obviously it, it sounds like you need to see more. And, and Robbie, I do appreciate you as always, man. Thank you so much for the call. Good call. I, obviously, you need to see more. I, I no one is disputing that. Zero people are disputing that the offense is 
sitting in a very comfortable spot or anything. No, 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 no. Like, it's, it's, it's not perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect. If you want to call me up and tell me the reason why Stefanski isn't getting the credit that maybe a lot of people seem, you know, like at least myself, I'm saying that he deserves, you're like, well, wait. If he's in charge of the offensive side of the ball, I need the offense to score 40 points before I'm satisfied. The game was a little weird. It's a little wonky. I'm giving him a bunch of credit for alternating what he did first off and then adjusting for the fact that, hell, he didn't even know it was going to rain. He kept he blamed the weather. Uh, all the meteorologists across the city had no idea it was going to rain. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's in a situation where he starts off with an idea that he's going to pass the ball a bunch with Deshaun Watson. He's going to make Deshaun Watson earn it the way that we thought he would. And then all of a sudden, he's like, well, wait, this isn't how you win this game. I'm going to win this game with Jerome Ford and Nick Chubb. I'm going to win this game doing it a little bit different. Also, on the Deshaun Watson note, he let Deshaun go crazy as far as passes. You know, 15-yard passes, Deshaun Watson had nine of them. Nine of them. But he had 11 receptions to targets on, on passes that were five yards or fewer. He understood where he needed the yards and how to pick up yards. Overall, I thought it was a really nice game from Stefanski top to bottom. 216474 to below 92. We'll get to see more tweets as well. Uh, but I do want to hear from you guys. And anytime we have a uh, a title of Mr. Stefanski, I got to go to this guy. Jeff, hello. What's up, man? Hey, how we doing? Now, do you call him Mr. Stefanski or is that McKenzie calling him Mr. Stefanski? Oh, that was me. Okay, I like that. Okay. <laughs> What's up? I, I, I can't call him Coach Stefanski because my, my problem with him is I think he needs to delegate more. I think Alex Van Pelt should be calling the plays, and he should pay attention to the game. I just think he misses a lot of things that – that go on during the game because he's too involved in the play calling. And there's something that happened last year that I'll never forgive him for. It was a third third and one play and a fourth and one play against a dome team. You're throwing a 30-yard fade and a 20-yard fade in 50-mile-per-hour wind gusts when you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield – with the running quarterback. No, I, I remember that. I thought it was third and two and fourth and two, but maybe maybe your memory is better than mine on that one, Jeff. I remember the plays distinctively, though, uh, because it's, it obviously was a bad look for him. There's no doubt about it. I, I So you have no room open for Stefanski down the line? No, I don't, because Ooh. I have found I, – I, I had heard that the designed um, scramble and run for a touchdown That's Deshaun Deshaun. was – yeah. Right. Well, it was a a Alex Van Pelt play that he that Deshaun Watson checked into. He checked into. They they came up with it Saturday though. But that was more than just AVP. That was also that was the two of them together in a Saturday morning, from what we've been told. Well, 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 that's good. I just think he just gets too involved in the play calling. I think Van Pelt should call the the plays, and he should be. Mr. Stefanski should be more involved in the game management instead of the play management. All right, Jeff, I'm going to respond to that, and I appreciate you as always. Thank you so much. I'm going to respond to that on the other side because that is a that is a thought that is gaining steam across the NFL. It's not just a Browns thought across the NFL. I'll tell you why it's never going to happen here in Cleveland, though, okay? 216 to below 92. Not as long as Stefanski is there. It's never going to happen. But I want to hear from you. All righty, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterwin. Daryl Ryder going to join us coming up in 15 minutes, asking you guys at 216 to below 92 
Is Stefanski not getting enough credit for the week one win? I don't think I'm living over there at ControversialOpinion.com when I say that I thought Stefanski showcased the best parts of Stefanski in that win. He had guys schemed open. It's not his fault it was raining and some of the throws were short, but we could all visibly see how he was making Lou Anarumo sweat. Lou was the bell of the defensive ball. Stefanski was toying with him like a cat playing with a mouse. He's credited as the only human to stop Mahomes, yet Stefanski was winning battle after battle, and I'm just wondering where you guys all stand on it. We had a caller last segment, in case you're just joining us. The caller said he thinks Alex Van Pelt should be calling the plays. He thinks Stefanski shouldn't be doing that part of the job, and he wants to see him be more of a coach. And you know, honestly, NFL circles right now are more into that thinking. I think it's a reaction to what you saw with Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, where he had on one side Shane Steichen as his offensive coordinator, and on the other side he had Jonathan Gannon as his defensive coordinator. And what you noticed there was that when Shane Steichen gave up the offensive play calling duties around week seven the previous year, they took off. And then obviously they ended up in the Super Bowl the following year, and then we watched both Steichen and Gannon both end up getting jobs in respective places of Indianapolis and Arizona. Maybe respective is a little bit too uh, nice of a term for Arizona. They, they are a trash organization, and I'll stand by that. But that's not the topic. The point is, is that it is becoming more of a conventional thought that if you are calling the plays, you can be missing things. And that isn't great across the NFL. I've always subscribed to the idea, though, although I'm, I like a guy that roams. I like a guy that, he, you know, he's got his hand in the defense, his hand in the offense. He's always privy to what's going on. As much as I like that, Stefanski got hired to be the play caller. He got hired because of his scheming abilities, because of what he can do in dialing up plays. Why would you retire that? If you think you're good at one thing, and that's honestly, the, I, he didn't get the job because of his personality. He didn't get the job because of his networking abilities. He didn't get the job because he's some defensive savant. He got the job because he's an offensive supposed mastermind, because he's very good at calling up plays. And I believe that's what he does best. Why would you handicap yourself that way? I, I never would. I had one thing in radio I was awesome at and was better than anybody else at this radio station or rather anybody else in the country. You think I'm going to take that part of like my show away? Not a chance. I'm swerving into that bad boy. You guys think I do something that awesome? I'm going to be like, let's do this. 216474-0092. Rob up next on the fan. Hello, Rob. Hey, JP. How you doing tonight, bud? Yo, what's up, Rob? Hey, man. We talked last week and I was – overly enthusiastic about the Browns and I was a little nervous and you said no man shout it from the rooftop that's right be proud that's this is right. the year and they went out Sunday and by goodness they they proved us correct it was an awesome win it was an amazing atmosphere to the gentleman who called in with the name Stefanski I mean really <laughs> this, this guy this guy took us to the playoffs into our first playoff win in two decades okay we lost some close games last year and had some rough injuries and a rough time, but we're a three-point dog against one of the best teams in the league, and we beat them 24-3, to and we lost the turnover battle 2 nothing, which the coach can't control. Like, maybe we should probably wait till after one week before we go uh, being a hypocrite of the coach. I-, I really don't care who calls the place. I care if they win. And if they go into Pittsburgh, JP, and – Pittsburgh's missing their second-best defender and one of their, their top three offensive players in Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. If, if we choke there and, and, and Stefanski made some questionable calls, you know, maybe we can bring that back up again. But 
by goodness, man, they played amazing on Sunday, won by 21 points, losing the turnover battle to nothing. That happens in the NFL like once every three years. I mean, am, am I wrong here? I mean, let's give them a chance. No, Rob, you're right. I mean, of course you're right. And, and I appreciate the phone call as always, my friend. Uh, of course you're right. Of course you're right. I, I'm blown away. I, I'm shocked that it hasn't been 72 hours of, oh, maybe we need to give Stefanski a little bit of credit. Maybe we need to uh, reconsider some of our thoughts on Stefanski. But now we've been doing this for nearly an hour, and I can't get many people to change their opinions or their mind. T-Daz on Twitter makes a good point. And our Twitter reaction is brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. It says, hey, Jonathan, I'll back Stefanski if he delivers a win on Monday night. Show me you can keep a team focused after a huge week one win. That is one thing in the Stefanski era, post-2020, where I do feel like we need to see a little bit more of, okay? And that is, after a big-time win, you don't fall flat on your face. A couple times last year, we had big-time wins, and then you turn around, and it's like, oh, there's the Dolphins to slap us around and then get us you know, back in the loss column. And it, it felt like that's happened in the past couple years a little bit more than I'd like. You know, a big-time win, and then you followed up against that Jets game where we barf all over our shoes. A couple more times than I'd like. That, winning on Monday night goes a long way for a lot of reasons. That's one of them, though, is building off a big-time win to then have another big-time win. But these are champagne problems of the highest order. Colin up next on the fan. Well, Colin. JP, what's going on, man? Great conversation. A lot of input from, uh, from the listeners, so credit to you, brother. Well, thank you, Colin. I appreciate you. How you doing tonight? Doing well, buddy. Hey, uh, I think you're spot on with Stefanski. Uh, you know, he, he does deserve some of the blame from the sins of the past, but – I'll tell you what, men lie, women lie, the film don't lie. I don't know if you've digested any of the All-22. Cooper and Moore were open all day. As soon as Watson gets back, and I I fully believe he'll get back there, but as soon as he can process and get back to where he used to be and and just speed it up just a tick, man, there was a lot of explosive offense left on the field Sunday, which should be encouraging given the outcome and how disproportionately favorable it was to our Browns. No doubt about it, and thank you, Colin. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate the good words. Like, you're 100% right. You've gone back and watched the game. We've all gone back and watched the game, or at least parts of the game. I know some of you guys have seen that. You guys are busy people. I understand if you can't get to all of it. Wide open. A lot of these receivers, wide open. I'm not saying it like Deshaun missed him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying Stefanski was scheming out there. He had a clinic put on. Absolute clinic. And Watson will hit those shots. He will. Jeff up next on the fan. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, thank you for making it. What's on your mind? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be – I think there's a Browns game on Sunday. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean, like, this Bengals versus Ravens game is one to watch because it's definitely going to tell us a little bit about where the Browns well, Jeff, who really are. Jeff, who are you rooting for in that game? I, I need to know. Um, you know, honestly, uh, I would want the Bengals to beat the Ravens for sure because honest, that, that's that, that's kind of my point. My point is this. The Bengals come out and they wet the bed and they get boat raced by the Ravens. Then I have a little bit of pause of how I feel about Monday night and the Browns playing. But if they come out and look like the Bengals, then I'll feel like, okay, cool. Then that win that we had over the Bengals was legit. So that's an important AFC matchup to watch because that would tell us where the Ravens are, obviously, where we are and where the Bengals are because I don't want it to just be this fluky thing where we just, like, boat race this team. Even though we beat them a lot of times before, yeah. I think that game will give us a lot of a, a good gauge to see where we really, really are. Oh, that's, so that's a good point. Good. That's a good point. Thank you, yeah. Jeff. I appreciate you. I like that. I like that. I, on Sunday, you could be thinking, if the Bengals come to life again and Joe Burrow looks awesome, 
you could be thinking to yourself, like, you're going to get excited. I, I know it. I, I know me. I'm going to get – I'll be – listen, I'm excited regardless. I think this team is the real deal. But if the Bengals go into Baltimore – Baltimore played a nice week one, obviously. They played a nice week one. If they go in there and just lay the smackdown on Baltimore, oh, man, you're going to get excited. I know you're going to get excited. Hey, guys, uh, the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland crew of Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder, they've already switched their focus to Monday Night Football and what needs – to happen on the offensive line without Jack Conklin. Subscribe now, 923thefan.com, or the Odyssey app to get two fresh episodes every week, as well as the post-game edition, sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Our Browns insider, Daryl Ryder, one half of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He joins us next right here on The Fan.